Man, uh, when you get into a situation, you say, Holy Spirit, come. Can you imagine like that moment of Pentecost where the disciples are in the room, not really sure how the helper is about to show up? And then in Acts chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit just, I mean, absolute, just lands in the room, fires on the chairs, people are speaking different languages. That's the Holy Spirit coming. That's the Holy Spirit's power. How incredible that moment must have been for those guys and the women in the room and just being able to see the Holy Spirit move in such a powerful way. You know, and so when we sing a song like that, some of you are like, I don't know if I want that much Holy Spirit. No, I want it all. I I want it all. I I want the full power of the Holy Spirit to rule this place. I want the full power of the Holy Spirit to lead us this morning. And so as we get into this series, I want you to understand something. You know, we, we've talked about this series. We usually do it about once a year, maybe once every 18 months, just to kind of refresh you on where our vision, our mission is. And, you know, for the last month or so, we did whatever it takes. And that really is like what we're going to do. What are we going to do? We're going to do whatever it takes to develop disciples of Jesus Christ. And then how are we going to do that becomes the last three, and it's gather, grow, and go. Our mission as a church is simply to do whatever it takes to develop disciples, to reach people, develop disciples for Jesus Christ who gather, grow, and go. And there is no better place to look at this and to say, what does it look like in Scripture than Acts chapter 2? And so if you would, join me in Acts chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 42. Some of you might be be even able to quote this better than I can read it or talk about it, apparently. But let me set it up while you're turning there. Jesus has been resurrected, he has spent 40 days, and he has ascended back into heaven as Acts 1 begins. And as Jesus was there, the disciples remembered, said, I'm going to send you a helper, and you just need to be ready, because when the helper comes, a lot of things are about to, about to happen, about to fall, dominoes are going to fall, ministry is about to take place. We get into Acts 1, we get into Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes, The gospel is now able to be uh, spoken in many languages just because of that moment. But here's what's fascinating to me. If you look at the end of chapter 1 and getting into beginning chapter 2, the church begins to move in such a way because we don't really have a church yet. We just have a collection of believers at this point. But the church literally goes from the 11 disciples and a gathering of of ladies and, and Mary and some others that are there, and they move from 11 to 125. And as we begin to move into Acts chapter 2, after the moment of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes on the room, everybody comes out and says, what in the world is happening in that space right there? It'd be like us turning around to the mezzanine and some of the mezzanines like, whoa, 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 we don't want that much Holy Spirit up there. But we're all looking at the mezzanine going, hey, what is going on up there? You guys must be drunk and prayerfully none of you up there are. Peter gets up on the balcony and he becomes the spokesperson and he begins to preach a message and he begins to share with them the vision that God has laid before the people, not only from that particular moment, but all the way back from the beginning of time. And as he begins to lay out this message, he begins to preach the gospel. All of a sudden, these people, their hearts begin to turn and the Holy Spirit begins to move in a new way, not with fire, but within movement of the heart. And as you get into Acts chapter 2, it begins to say, and 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. So for keeping score at home, kids, that goes from 11 to 125 to 3,000 plus. Man, that's a church right there. That's a movement of God. 
That's the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we sing that song, Holy Spirit, you come in here, you lead us, that's what we're talking about. As we get into this thing and we begin to do our mission statement, we say, God, whatever it takes, we want to do whatever it takes to reach people, to disciple them for Jesus Christ. We want to develop them in such a way that we help them not only gather, grow, and go, but we help them continue to do it and continue to do it and it becomes this endless cycle. Well, what we do as a church doesn't end with you. It carries on through you. Everybody with me so far? So this morning, the next three weeks, we're going to go over each one. We're going to go gather and grow and go. But this morning, we're going to look at gather. And I know many of us were like, well, that's an easy one. We just show up for church. Are you sure about that? Let's, let's see what Scripture says. Let's see what the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to this morning. But like I said, the best example of what we're talking about doing is Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. I'm going to read it out of my Bible. My Bible may say something a little different than yours. Translations vary, but here's what the Scriptures tell us. It says in verse 42, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many signs and wonders were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate food with joyful hearts and sincereful hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. And every day the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Pray with me real quick. Father, we ask that you would speak powerfully and boldly to us this morning. God, that whatever comes next is not because I say it, it's not because I wrote it, it's because you say it, and it comes straight from your heart. So Father, your Holy Spirit, take over this room, take over this message, take over the, the way that we receive this message, so that when we walk out of here, we're forever changed by your encouragement and your teaching this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So being uh, that I, I'm married to an English teacher... Uh, hopefully I will make uh, good sentences. We had that joke last night that um, I've been using new words, and she's like, see, I'm starting to rub off on you. Um, but I, I wanted, I was fascinated when you think gather, just the term gather, like how many different definitions are there? Because when we throw the term gather into, inside the church building, many of you have like different interpretations of what we're saying. Would we agree to that? And it's not necessarily because you're wrong and I'm right or I'm wrong and you're right or anything like that. It's just we have different perspectives. What does that term mean? And so what we want to do this series is kind of unify our terms and unify our hearts. Like, so when you have the information, you know exactly what we're talking about. So to give us a little background, there are two ways that you can look at it. That is through gather the noun, a gathering being a noun, and then gathering together as in a verb. And because I'm not smart, I'm going to pull my notes right back over here, and I'm going to tell you what the definition is. When you think of it as a noun, it means an assembly or a meeting, especially for social or festive one, held for a specific purpose. And what we're in right now is a gathering for worship. This would be a noun. We're in a place. We're doing this for a very specific purpose. We have gatherings of the fellowship all across the way. But the, the verb is what really began to stick with me. It says, when you look at it as a verb, it means to come together, to assemble or to accumulate I would say that here we are, we're gathering together, we're accumulating, we're, assemb we're, we're assembling together. But here's the second verb, bringing together and taking in from scattered places and sources. Now, I know what that means, like we're going to go out into the, you know, the field and we're just going to kind of get in there and see what treasures we find. But I look at it from a people's perspective as well, going, that's exactly what we're supposed to do as a church. 
Let me see if I can put that in a different way. Bringing people together, taking them in from scattered places or sources. Meaning we're all not going to come from the same side of the tracks. We're not all going to come in from the same uh, backgrounds and history. And we're not all going to come in from the same places where, you know, some of you grew up Baptist and some of you grew up Methodist and you grew up this and you grew up that. And some of you didn't grow up in church at all. And we're going to gather together under one name and one name alone. That is the name of Jesus. But how do we do that? Why do we do that? I mean, if I was, if I was just to have a one-on-one conversation for you, the question I would ask you right now is, why are you gathering at the fellowship? Why are you here? When I look at the New Testament, I look at Acts 2, there is one purpose that they seem to be gathering for, and that is Jesus Christ. They want Jesus in their hearts, and they want Jesus in the hearts of every person that comes next. When you gather with the fellowship, can you agree to that? Can you say that? I want Jesus, I'm gathering so I can have, fill my tank as much Jesus as possible, I want in, so that the next person I see, I can unload that Jesus onto them and bring them into the same situation that I'm in. And so forth, and so forth, and so forth. We want to gather together so that we can bring people together. It says in 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, and breaking of bread and to prayer. And later on, daily they were together daily. Man, this is just an incredible thing. So when I look at this and I say, why is it that being at church, why is it being here on Sunday, why is it being with like-minded believers, why is it so important? And I really think because the first point for us is that the early church teaches us that gathering together with other believers is one of the most important things that we can do. For some of you, you have this experience because I know I do, and if you don't, I'm not picking on you, I just would really ask you to pray through it. If you are not with a gathering of people for worship, is your week the same? I mean, I think about it, and and some of you are like, well, it's easy for you to say, Scott, you're a pastor, and God has gifted you, and and, hold on, hold on, hold on. When I am not here with you, my week feels completely and totally different. When I am not in church at all, my week is completely and totally different give you an example. And I just thought about this because my daughter just went to college 750 miles away from me. And even this morning, I was thinking about, I have this beautiful app called Life360. She may be watching right now. This is awesome. But we have this beautiful app, Life360. I want to be like, where did she go to church today? If my dad had that back in 1996, there would be no movement on that app (laughs) unless I rolled over from the left side to the right side of my bed. And my dad's going, yep. But what my dad taught me as a, as a freshman in college was, son, going to church is the most important thing that you can do. You need to be around people that are like-minded. You need to go and you need to worship. You need to celebrate God's goodness and God's faithfulness. You need to be there because it's one of the most important things that you can do. Now, I'm teaching right now to a group of people that are sitting here on a Sunday morning. I think you grasp this concept. But we know people that are not here right now, that are not watching online, that are not currently in church, but they need to be here. And somehow, some way, we've got to build relationships inside of them, and we've got to teach them, we've got to encourage them, we've got to be, we've got to be so, uh, just a catalyst for them saying, this is where we need to begin our weeks. Sunday is not the end of the week, Sunday is the beginning of the week. The tank gets full here. Let's gather together for worship. 
Now, we understand COVID, and we understand the pandemic, and we understand that many people cannot, and they don't feel comfortable because of everything going on in a medical situation, and we certainly appreciate that, and we certainly respect that. But you know what? Some of those people, I know right now, they're looking at me on the other side of that TV camera. They're gathering as family. They're gathering together because gathering is one of the most important things that we can do. I want to encourage you, if you're like, you know, I come like twice a week or twice a month. I don't know what the big deal is. I'm not talking about just checking the box. I'm talking about priority. Is your priority to be in a gathering of people from all over this great city, worshiping together, learning about Jesus, celebrating each other, because there's more to it. We're going to get to that in just a second. But are you here to be together? They devoted themselves to the teaching. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. Gathering is our priority. The early church teaches us that the gathering is something they love to do. If you didn't love it, why would you do it every day? If you didn't love it, why would you devote yourself to it? Every day they got together for scripture, for fellowship, for prayer, for ministry. Gathering with other believers was important because it not only made you as a better person, it not only made the church a little bigger and a little better, but it made your community better. Have you ever noticed how a church in a community can really set the tempo? Man, if God took over this entire Middle Tennessee area, we represent a lot of cities here, a lot of cities. If the Holy Spirit came on your city that you represent, can you imagine what your city would be like? Do you know who gets to be the agent for change? The local church. We gather so we can be agents of change, take the Holy Spirit, what we gather, what we learn, what we know, and we go live it out. Because the second thing is important that I learned from Acts chapter 2. It's not just about gathering together for worship. It's not just about getting together to, to learn and to fellowship and to pray. It's about ministry. The second thing is they gather for opportunity to minister to one another. When you look at verses 44 and 45 in Acts chapter 2, it says they were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and property. They disputed the proceeds to all as who had need. Man, how many of you, and don't raise your hand, because I don't want to, anybody like, they didn't raise your hand, and I minister to them all the time. But how many of you have been ministered to in this building on a Sunday morning? You have come here not expecting to be ministered to, and before you left and before you shut the door in your car, you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that God was going to bring me to this place, and, and she was going to talk to me and encourage me because she's been what I've been through. And I didn't realize that he was going to just pray during worship over me. He didn't even know what my situation was. And oh my goodness, I didn't realize that, that this person even knew who I was. And, and man, I've heard of people saying, hey, I don't know why, but the Spirit has prompted me to give you some, some financial resources. And you're like, how did you know? Because when God shows up and his people get together, God shows up and ministers through other people. The other church is so easy. They didn't come just to check a box. They didn't come just to look good on a Sunday morning and say, hey, woo, we, we worship together. They came together because they knew not only is it a chance to worship Jesus, it's a chance to take care of one another. So when we come to a gathering together, I want you to come with the attitude of ministry. How can I be a minister today? And some of you are like, well, that's, I don't have that title. If you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you can be, should be, and need to be a minister of the gospel. Let me say that again. If Jesus Christ truly is in your heart, then every chance you get, you need to be, must be, should be, could be, probably need to be a minister of the gospel. 
There is not a handful of pastors. There's not a handful of leaders. There's not a handful of ministers. The spirit of Jesus rests inside of us. We need to be the agents of change. Gather together so we can minister one another because you never know who's sitting next to you that needs your story, needs your ministry, needs your prayer, needs your encouragement, may even need your resources. You never know until you open yourself up to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in that gathering. You with me? We want to be together. There's no gatherings that didn't happen in Acts just because. They were always on purpose. They were always doing things together. And I love it because the more that you are here, don't you transition from just taking up space to belonging? Some of you are like, I don't know how to answer that right now. All of us want to belong. It's human nature for us to want to belong. Belong in Jesus Christ. Belong in a gospel biblical community of believers that want to encourage you and lift your spirits and make you more fulfilled. Not because we're that good, but because Jesus is that good. We want to be a biblical community where we're coming together, we're ministering, we're serving together. We, we, just, we gather so that we can encourage and build each other up, make each other better. That way, if you're hurting, I hurt. If, if you're struggling, I'm struggling. If you're happy, I'm rejoicing. And if you need ministry, I get to be a part of the solution. And that's just me. I can't speak for everyone. I would love to speak for everyone because this would be a very simple conversation. And we'd go ahead and pray, get you to lunch, and the Titan game. All you had to do was just say yes to everything I said. But for many of us, we have to pray like, Jesus, is this what you have for me? I believe the answer would be yes. But you need a process with Jesus. And you need to make sure that you're doing what he wants. What is me being a part of a church? What else does it do? You ever wonder, like, what, why, what purpose do I serve here? Why am I here? I wonder sometimes if the, Acts, the, church, the early church in Acts chapter 2, you know, you really don't see a lot of discussion. It's not like they got together and be like, well, okay, well, who's got a, who's got a farm out in Middle Tennessee that we could sell because, you know, we need some money over here and Who's got that grandma's vase that is really priceless when we sell that? We don't see discussions. We just see attitudes saying, here's what I have. Jesus, how do you want to use it? Right? And it's not like for our glory and our benefits, like, oh, man, Scott, you are so generous. Well done. I mean, that was a priceless heirloom, but you just put it on the altar. Well done. That wasn't the attitude at all. The third point, and really what might be the greatest thing for us to do, is the reason they do all this stuff, and the reason they gather, and the reason they want to minister is because they had an opportunity to focus and build relationships so they could leverage the gospel with somebody else. Why did they get together every day? Why did they sell their possessions? Why did they minister? Why did they eat and pray? Why did they do all this stuff? Because if I'm doing it and I'm getting excited about it, then the people around me begin to get excited about it as well. You with me? Think about this. When you go home this afternoon, will anybody know that you were here? Will anybody that you engage with the rest of the day know that you were a part of a church worship service? Somebody like, I don't know how to answer that because this is what I believe the Lord tells us sometimes. We need to be so, like, unhook the trailer excited about what Jesus is doing and the chance to worship him 
the chance to be in his presence, the chance to hear from his scriptures, the chance to learn that when we got out of here, we can't wait till the next person that we see and tell them what we just got to experience. We can't wait to get to that restaurant because that waitress has no clue that she's about to get prayed over. We can't wait to get to the gas station because the guy behind the counter that's going to give me a Coca-Cola and a bag of popcorn has no idea that I'm going to tell him, man, Jesus loves him. We can't wait to go leverage the gospel in somebody's life. If you are here for simple information, knowledge, and, and growth, you're only here for half the reason, and it's not the right half. We're here for transformation. We're gathering together. We're doing all it takes. We're doing whatever it takes to gather, grow, and go. Not for my benefit, but for kingdom growth. If the fellowship does not move forward as a church and leverage the gospel to reach people for Jesus, we will fail. Yeah, you heard me say it. If we move forward and we don't leverage the gospel to reach people for Jesus, we will fail. But if we become more like Acts chapter 2, and the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us, and Jesus is directing our steps. Man, we're so excited to get to worship together. We're so excited to put our, everything in the basket and say, who's got a need? If we're excited about ministry, if we're excited about inviting people to Jesus, if we're excited about what Jesus is doing in our life, whether it's happening inside or outside the church, if we get excited about it, now all of a sudden people are like, let's do this. Where are you going to church? What's happening with you? Why is it that you can look at that boss that we all hate and you go like, hey, it's not a big deal. Come on, bring it. Why is it that you can go in that neighborhood? They're playing music till two in the morning, but you wake up on Sunday at 7 a.m., get ready for your day with a big smile on your face, singing worship. How do you do that? Because Jesus rules the day. And I love Jesus. Why, Acts 2, why do you guys sell your stuff? Why are you doing this? Because they love Jesus. 47, verse 47 is probably the, the, the most incredible verse in that whole passage. And the reason it's incredible is because I look at it from this way and I go, why in the world would they do that? And I get to verse 47 and it says, rejoicing in favor of all people and the Lord added daily those that were being saved. If you need to, feel free to underline that. Because if anything else, you're like, why do I come to church? Why am I a part of this? Because we want to see our church be a place where people get saved, not on Sundays, not on Wednesdays, every day. You could be at school. You could be at work. You could be in your neighbor. You could be at the grocery store. Every day, somebody comes to know Jesus because somebody at the fellowship loved them enough to minister to them. We want to gather together. Jesus said this in John 13, 34, and 35, a new command I give to you. Something new he was giving to the disciples, kind of a, let's put this forward. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, all men and all women will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Man, do the people around us know that we love Jesus? And do they know that we love Jesus by how we treat people? This Acts 2 church, I can easily see that if they could have t-shirts, I bet John 34 and 35, 13, 34 and 35 was a t-shirt they wore. I'm going to love you no matter what because Jesus is in my heart. Man, we need to do that.
Let me give you this verse as we begin to wrap up. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me encourage you with something. Would you make church a priority? Being a part of a ministry a priority? And you're like, Scott, I'm here. I'm like, I, yeah, I'm with you. Would you help others do the same? Those people that typically sit around you, you don't see them right now, would you call them and encourage them? I know some people that are like, I don't care what church you go to. If you just be in church, I want to know that you were there. What did Jesus teach you today? How did Jesus worship with you today? How did you celebrate God's goodness and faithfulness? Encourage each other. Because whether it's here in Middle Tennessee or it's in Dallas, Texas, or it's in California, or if it's in some other part of the world, man, what did God do for you today in worship when you gathered with other believers? Gather together and make it a priority. Second thing I would encourage you with is to make sure that you're doing biblical community with people, and by that I mean like life groups, you're gathering in, in Bible study, you're gathering in, in pockets, so you walk through life together, but you're also walking for ministry. There's somebody here this morning that needs your ministry. They need, the person you're sitting next to needs you to minister to them somehow, some way. Could just be a word of encouragement. It could just be, hey, could I pray for you this morning? They need your ministry, but there's also people in this world that you're about to go engage with. They need your ministry. So leverage what you learned this morning. Leverage the worship that we have and go leverage it for the gospel, ministering to those. I don't know how. I don't know what to do. That's a good question. That's fair. But let me tell you something. All you got to do is say yes to Jesus. He'll figure out the rest and he'll teach you what to do. There's no insignificant ministry in the kingdom of God. Smallest, greatest, all makes a difference. Simple word of encouragement, long prayer. You give a gift. You give a blessing, somehow, some way, minister to it. But you do it because you gather together and it's out of the overflow of your heart that you want to minister to others. And the third one I would tell you is this. We need to become a people that is always looking for who comes next. When we get in life group, I pray that many of you are in life group. If you're not in life group, I would love to share something with you here at the end of the service. So stick with us. I want to share it with you. But in our life groups, we want to have this mentality that there's always one more chair than there are people in the room. And we've talked about this before. Why is there always one more chair? Because there's always one more person that needs to come hear about Jesus. There's always one more person that needs to hear about the goodness of God. There's somebody, like we were saying earlier, there's somebody right now in your world. Maybe they were with Jesus earlier on. They were with, you know, and they had a kind of a fallen out. They walked away from the Lord. They need to know that Jesus was faithful then. He's going to be faithful now. Always leave room for somebody else to come hear the gospel. It's like we were talking about, I think, a few weeks ago. If, if, um, if you say, hey, all my friends, they all come to church, you need to put a chair in your life and bring some new friends to the table. Somebody needs to know Jesus. So gathering either as a noun or as an event, whether we come to a service, or whether we treat it as a verb, or we're reaching people and we're bringing them in, we're ministering to whoever needs help and whoever needs some support, whoever needs encouragement. Or we're ministering through the gathering verb of we're going to go to the outermost parts, the outer rims, and we're going to find people that need Jesus. We're going to love them and we're going to build into them. We're going to build relationships so that we can share the gospel. No matter if it's a noun or a verb, somehow, some way, our church has got to be a church that gathers together because this world needs Jesus Christ. It really doesn't matter what happens next in one sense. I don't want to be disrespectful for that statement, so don't read into it. 
But there's a part of it that doesn't matter what happens next unless we're willing to go get people for Jesus Christ. And some of them are not that far away. They may be in your home. They may be in your neighborhood. They may be your coworker. But we need to build a relationship with them so that no matter what happens next, we are helping them find Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do. We need to be a church that gathers. So I encourage you, you begin to pray and ask God, God, how am I gathering and how do I need to grow in my gathering? Do I need to do more ministry? Do I need to do more inviting? Do I need to do better worship where I don't bring anything except myself and I just sit here with you? And I bring my family and we just sit here with you. How do I need to improve my gathering so that we can do whatever it takes to develop disciples of Jesus Christ who gather, grow, and go? Let's pray together. Father, this morning, we have come to gather for worship. It is our heart to just to be with you and be in your presence, to hear about what you're doing. God, I pray that not only through our music, but also through reading scriptures, that we're encouraged that there's a great and powerful God that we serve that has given us some of the greatest help ever through the power of the Holy Spirit and all for Jesus Christ. I pray that as we come not only today, but every time we get together and gather for worship, it is more than just an event in our lives, but it is an opportunity to celebrate the greatness that you possess. Father, I also pray for us as we study and as we grow in our understanding of what gathering is, God, that we would be very much a church that puts the verb into practice, that we would assemble and we would accumulate and we would go and bring in from the scattered places and the scattered sources and just simply bring everything that we have, all that we possess and all that we know and all, that we, all the relationships that we have, that we are bringing them together so that we can be in a place where we can learn about your son, Jesus Christ. So Father, we as a church right now are praying what, what is it that you would have us do? And we want to be obedient to that. We want to be that whatever it takes, church, but it all begins with how we gather. So Father, as we finish this gathering and respond during worship, I pray that we would open our hearts and our minds to whatever you would want to say to us, whether it be through the song whatever you want to encourage us with after we finish up today. But you, God, rule the day. You lead us well. You teach us what it truly means to gather for your kingdom and for your glory alone. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you want to come and you want to pray this morning, the altar is open. You're welcome to sit in the front row and just sit there and pray. You can sit where you're at and just have a moment of time with you and the Lord there. But as we respond this morning, just begin to ask God the question that I just prayed. What do you want me to do? And how would you want me to become better better at gathering for your kingdom and your glory?